0: Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Zach, just letting you know, just finished the edit on this one, and during the editing process, uh, one of the tools I use got a little overzealous with cutting out some silence, and so, like, it weirdly just sounds like the end of my sentences are getting cut off. Um, It's fine, it's listenable, but, like, it just sounds weird sometimes, and you're gonna wonder, like, where the last word of my sentence is. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to say that uh sorry about that i'm gonna to try to make sure that doesn't happen again okay bye hello and welcome to my ultimate year a comic book reading club going through all of the ultimate marvel universe my name's zach i'm one of your hosts for the week and dave is not here this week dave had to take a week off but luckily we have a wonderful guest host alongside me today uh monica astrea negra um who joined us last week if you listen to episode 16 uh, monica welcome to the show and want to tell people a little bit about your work and where they can find you
1: yes so i am a writer and a filmmaker and you can find me on twitter at negra monica one i also uh romp around with Sarah Century and S.E. Fleenor over at Bitches on Comics, which you can find on Patreon and also on Twitter at Bitches on Comics.
0: Yeah, I just listened to the episode um, where you're talking about is it uh, Strangers in Paradise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, A comic I've always been interested in, and that kind of kind of pushed me to to try to track down a copy.
1: Mm -hmm. It's a doozy, but it's definitely worth it. I'm actually delving into the more recent ones, uh, just because I started reading it like my undergrad or whatever so it was fun to revisit it
0: does it does it's still going like regularly i think
1: like, the latest one came out in like 2018 oh, or wow. something like that it's been going for like a really long time and i had no idea that it was still like in and you know publish, publishing
0: or whatever so yeah well that's wild because it started like that. what 92 93 something like that
1: like 93 94 yeah. i think
0: well okay yeah, so it's been
1: going on for a time. yeah if you want to yeah.
0: you want to hear all this covered uh you know much uh more than i can say about it then definitely go check out that bitches on comics episode it's very good um okay what is less good i'm gonna say just to start the the, <laughs> <laughs> the tenor, tenor of the episode <laughs> off um let's start with fantastic four let's get that out of the way um mm-hmm. So we read, we only read two comics this time, two different series, uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four and Ultimate X-Men. Ultimate Fantastic Four, this is, we're moving away from the uh, Mark Miller era and moving into the Mike Carey era, and people might know Mike Carey from his indie comic, I think it's a Vertigo title, um, The Unwritten, Um, his work on Lucifer, Hellblazer, I guess he does some X-Men stuff that I have not read, Um, pretty renowned writer. And then he comes to Fan- Ultimate Fantastic Four here. And Ultimate Fantastic Four has never been a series that I think has worked too well. There's been some interesting ideas. Warren Ellis was kind of bland, but workable. Um, Mike Mark Miller was Mark Miller. He was kind of all over the place, but he had some cool ideas that worked. His zombie, the introduction of Marvel zombies in those issues was kind of excellent. Mike Carey comes in and tries to bring, I think, some big ideas. I think he's doing something that... Um, we talk about with the ultimate universe which is like you know you have this whole playground of marvel to work with why not like take it and mix stuff around and mm-hmm. and make your own interpretation of something instead of just like reheating you know just like here's a character you know they look a little different that's usually huh. what we kind of end up seeing in like spider-man like here's the same mysterio as before but maybe their costume's a little different um he's taking stuff and being like this is thanos thanos is like a war god of a completely new creation as far as i know i think this whole uh this whole place that they're creating is new ronin is his son Ron- ronin the accuser is his son um and uh yeah acheron i think is the the name of this planet uh, i
1: think so I, I don't think acheron sounds sounds I, uh
0: yeah good. yeah I, it,
1: it's <laughs> so I it, acheron. yeah i
0: think i think that's a, a ship name from like greek mythology or sh- no it's a river in greece uh, the acheron ah anyway uh and then they're like they're flying in the um the, those big space whale ships are from uh like the brood from old x-men comics so he's like he's taking all these old ideas and kind of mixing and matching them the problem for me at least with this first story arc so we're gonna break it down we have three story arcs here this first one God War is that I don't see what it adds to to make like Ronin Thanos' son like I, I don't get it, it's this big sprawling story With all these new characters and i I don't have anything to cling to i feel like it's really disjointed and it's kind of trying to do this world building but like there's really no like zing to it it kind of just feels like it's throwing so much information at you but that information isn't even interesting um yeah what what do you what do you think monica
1: it definitely definitely felt clustered uh and i'm i'm a definite noob noob to uh ultimate fantastic four and just like the ultimate universe as a whole, mm-hmm. so while the names were recognizable and the characters were recognizable, I was just really confused by the majority of the arcs, especially when they got to Iron Water. I didn't understand like that world, and it was like kind of uh, it was kind of uh, a little clustered as far as like explaining like its history mm. and like everything seemed like very rushed and it was very hard to stay interested in the story unfortunately because like the plot the plot holes were like way too much um i think the only thing that i probably liked was uh dream catcher
0: uh yeah kind of kind of an interesting character maybe one of the only ones that stands out yeah it introduces a lot of characters and i, I would defy anyone who finished reading this to tell me anything about them? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I-, I read this today. Yeah. There's a character named uh, Vickney, Threshold, Grail Fountain, Magnificent Brute, and Dreamcatcher. Uh, 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 maybe I have I can... like some weird
1: anime feels. I don't know. <laughs> I can <laughs> like, kind of remember. Like, kind of like, like some weird like anime vibes, like to her. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I- it just like yeah, it th- th- throws a lot of characters that don't particularly seem to have strong voices and then the, the I think something that really doesn't help it um, what, what did you think about the art here this is uh, this is by mostly by um, Pasquale Ferry and uh, and colored by Justin Ponzo um, what do you think it was
1: that? a little off-putting not gonna lie especially yeah. <laughs> uh, the one scene where they uh, shield themselves like by their cloak and they become children and it was just like very bizarre like it didn't seem like it all fit together so I felt like it was kind of like working with like some really abstract uh Art pieces, mm-hmm. and then it just like kind of became jumbled together. So yeah, the art was a bit weird for me, um, especially in regards to uh, Ben when he was uh, possessed by Thanos or had his mind like possessed by Thanos. I, I, it was a bit. Awkward. I think I liked
0: that that effect, that idea of you know. So Th- Thanos in this Thanos is pretty unrecognizable of the Thanos uh, the, from the mainline Marvel universe. Like we've been reading a lot of that Thanos. There's very little of the the regular Thanos in this one. He's just, in this, he's just kind of like a conqueror, and that's Mm -hmm. all we get from him. Um, And he can possess people's, I I guess there's, it's like he's trying to introduce these interesting wrinkles, but they don't have much, like, character behind them. So, um, talks about how, I I think this culture is called the Endless Resurgence. It seems like Thanos dies every so often, and then comes back to life, like, I think he says, like, every 49 days. And it's this cycle of, like, birth and re, uh, death and rebirth for him. Uh Uh-huh. I I don't know what that really stands for. I don't know what that signifies. It kind of just seems like a detail but without any um m- much like
1: context to it. Yeah, yeah context or like, like
0: character or a character or thematic reason behind it at least that like felt clearly conveyed through the comic? I I mean mm-hmm. I I think I I like the idea of Thanos um, that, that is a fun detail of him, like, possessing people to speak through them. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. like, he uses his, you know, his foot soldiers, he basically possesses them to speak through them to give orders and just burns them up, which is a very, like, kind of cold calculating thing to do. Um, but yeah, there's just, yeah, the, the art is, there's a weird softness to it. That I mm-hmm. I don't think works It was like
1: a weird like Instagram filter, like on some yeah. of
0: the yeah very yeah <laughs> characters. yes just, that's like, a like great very way.
1: emanating in like an aura or something. I was like, this is
0: very weird. digital, very digitally colored. You can tell like mm-hmm. a lot of digital art, and in a way that I think is like the worst digital art. It felt very soft and muddy, and then the color choices, mm-hmm. especially in this arc, were really unremarkable. It was all like, here's a brand new alien world. All the colors are brown, grays, and, like, dark green. And mm-hmm. it, it just lacked any kind of um, character to it or, like, I- individuality, you know? There's, there was no sense of, like, wow, cool, look at this. It was just, like, a muddy brown sci-fi city. Um, right. Yeah, so, kind of, pretty disappointing. I think this story really doesn't work. And is
1: I know. Kind of... I tried to find a gold lining because I didn't want to, like, come off as, no, like, no, wiping as that. Yeah, it sucks, uh, but, yeah, I think... oh, well, I did find one. Mm-hmm. I really uh, like the idea of Dreamcatcher, like, being able to combine all of their powers together, mm-hmm. like, some weird, like, Power Rangers droid-type situation sure. that happened, yeah. uh, so I thought that was pretty rad, but as far as, like, the art and the colors and, like, the messed up storylines, like,
0: yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a think... big mess for me. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and, yeah, I like that idea, too, of him being able to, or Dreamcatcher being able to, like, combine, like. Johnny and Sue Storm's powers into creating this, like, fire shield, right? Like, she can create her force mm-hmm. field and it's covered in fire. Yeah, that, that's a, a fun idea. And I like that she hints that, like, you know, if they were more in tune or something, they might be able to just do it themselves. Like, it's not just her. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of unlocking that capability, which is, it, it's like an interesting thing to wink at, but it also feels kind of just like it's it's not going to add up to much. Um, so the, right. second, the second arc here is called Devils, and this is their <laughs> uh, Diablo story. Diablo, we've read, I think, one story of in uh, mainline Fantastic Four and My Marvelous Year. Diablo's like, he's an alchemist. He's a, I think he's this like 15th century Italian alchemist guy. And that's really his whole thing. He's just kind of an evil science chemist. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And here it starts out with this, uh, the scene of him being trapped in a tower in Milan in like 15th century Milan by a bunch of, I don't know, wizards of their day. And uh, and he's stuck in this tower, and he with chemicals creates a time portal, <laughs> to yeah. to like make to to pull in one loved one from each of the individual Fantastic Four members' lives. So like uh, Reed Richards' little sister, Johnny and Sue Storm's dad, Johnny's girlfriend, etc. In order to lure them in because they, like, represent the four elements, which is something that, like, I've heard this talked about a few times with the Fantastic Four, that they are, like, representative of the four elements, and that's such, so flimsy to me, you know? Because it's like, yeah, fire, stone, fire, and earth, okay. But then water and air to, like, that Reed Richards somehow represents water (laughs) because he's gooey. Because,
1: Stretchy and fluid, or something. Yeah, like yeah. Power with ebb and flow, like water.
0: Right. Yeah. That. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
1: I think they just like pulled that one out of well. Yes. Okay. Totally.
0: Yeah. It's very, very, very corny to me. This, this is one that I. I don't think this is a disaster like the first arc. Like it worked a little better for me than the first arc, but I also still had a hard time finding anything to cling to. Like Diablo mm-hmm. did not strike me as an interesting villain because he just. I don't know villains who are just like I want power. You know, <laughs> what, what's there to, like...
1: I just thought it, I thought it was a little excessive that he had to, like, go through all this trouble and creating, like, this portal just to, like, nab people in order to get rid of his own enemies and his own time. Like, I didn't really understand that. Uh, what was the guy's name? Vecchiato? Vecchiato uh, was the main guy that uh, imprisoned Diablo in the first place, like, in his, like, guild or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he said he, like, makes them come back so then he can, like, destroy Vecchiato. And it just seemed, like, very, like... It was, like, reaching. I was just, like, this could have worked a different way. Like, maybe if he wanted to... Take over the world from his time in order to prove a point or something, not import, like, superheroes, like, from <laughs> yeah. countries away in order to fight, like, your own enemies. So it's Like, that's a little weak sauce.
0: Yeah, doesn't it feel like uh, kind of he came up with the concept first of, like, the Fantastic Four, you know, he, I have an image of the Fantastic Four trying to blend in, in, like, 15th century Italy, you know, and, like, they're going to be wearing Jester's outfits and Ben Grimm will be in a cage because the only way they'll be able to carry him is, like, in a freak show or something. So, like, yeah. he thought of that idea, and then he, like, worked backwards to try to <laughs> rationalize how to do that. Because you're right, it's like this, yeah. it's a very weirdly complicated set of events for what basically is a guy who just is like, I want to be free, and I need to steal your family so you can come back and unlock. Um, I, I like the art better here. Uh, Scott Collins and Mark Brook are doing the um, the penciling, and they're they're splitting it up by, like, modern day and um, back in, the like, the old Italy scene. It, it's mm-hmm. not remarkable but like at least it was a step up from the uh the pasquale fairy stuff that i found pretty off-putting right okay so what what did you think of the third arc the silver surfer arc yeah
1: the silver surfer arc hmm also was not impressed yeah <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> uh, also because of that weird uh digital like art thing that you were talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. and like, stream close-ups on silver surfer it was just like really bizarre i was like am i watching like a 90s like cgi
0: kind of looks like you're using like the a, a paint the paint tool on like ms paint to just kind of like spray yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah and yeah so and then uh enid getting superpowers like little sister like and all that good stuff uh i kind of like the little like older reed richards Versus, like, his little sister, like, dichotomy, especially once she got her superpowers. I thought that was kind of endearing, and I actually kind of liked it. Um, but I kind of like sibling
0: banter within my stories for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh... Well, so that that's actually something I, I was thinking through this entire thing. You'd bring up banter. I think that's something that, like, Mike Carey has a really bad ear for here, is, like, trying to do the playful superhero banter. Because, like, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe these comics would be a little better if I was at all interested in like johnny storm sue storm ben grimm reed richards bouncing off of each other and like the way they're reacting but like their character voices fell so flat to me like johnny is mostly just kind of obnoxious and kind of uh, a douchebag like ben grimm is i i I don't know like Ben, ben really likes the pop of uh mainline thing for me here I think he mm-hmm. seems like a weak imitation and then sue and Richard was it
1: like his wit or sarcasm or that was off-putting or what because I feel like he was like the one that was always given like the witty quips and like the
0: yeah he's he's not like out of character for me he just doesn't have that same like endearing gruffness in the uh, the, the ultimate fantastic four like there's not mm-hmm. tons that distinguish him and Johnny uh for me in this world and then sue sue always gets the worst of it because sue's job is just to like be sexy for Reed and like and,
1: basically and just talk about their relationship all and, the and time and talk about I mean, how like,
0: yeah. like she's just you know like horny for him all the time and it feels just like the biggest <laughs> like character write in just like servicing the nerds to be like here's you know this 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 hot woman who's just like loves a nerd um yeah that th- like sue is very boring here especially compared to the the other one and, and this is not just Mike Carey like no one no one has found a particularly strong voice for for any of these characters really sometimes the ideas are okay but the voices these characters have never particularly worked um i will say the art is still kind of off-putting here for me a little bit i think he found some more interesting like visual motifs here with this this other planet uh psycho man's planet it's um zen law it's like silver surfers that that's his like planet in the main line silver surfer or the mainline marvel um I, i think that looks at least a little nicer because it was more colorful um it was not just this like brown blur muddy blur of stuff um and i found this story kind of interesting like this wasn't great but it felt like a big step up from the first two for me at least um i liked th- this this felt like fulfilling the idea of like hey let's mix a few things in interesting ways that at least like a little, makes a little sense like we've already done the galactus thing in ultimate universe it wasn't that interesting um but if you want to bring Silver Surfer in, well, he can't herald Galactus. We've already seen Galactus. He's just going to be the herald for a different bad guy. And mm-hmm. bring in kind of a, a, a B-tier villain, Psycho Man, um, who's never been like a big favorite of mine in the mainline universe. But I, I kind of like the idea he has here. Like Silver Surfer is coming to like rescue planets. Basically, Psycho Man puts them all under the control and reverts them back to a childlike naivete mm-hmm. uh, and simplicity. And... I think that's that's kind of an interesting idea. Like, this Fantastic Four get pulled into this world, they all revert to their, like, childlike natures, and then Silver Surfer frees them.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, like, his uh, inability to let go of, like, a world that he once used to, like, endear, right? So... Yeah. Uh, I think that the story, initially, is about, like, grief and, like, trying to understand why things never stay the way that they are, or why changes have to happen. And if uh there is any uh ability to accept those changes for what they are and i feel like they kind of missed an opportunity to evolve like the characters of, within the fantastic four like alongside that narrative personally for me because i just like no, to I... get into like, those, like life those uh moral dilemmas
0: certainly I do, I do not think this does like a good job exploring that on any kind of deep level <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I definitely mm-hmm. am with you there i just I, at least like i i found the ideas intriguing a little bit even mm-hmm. even if i didn't think it was like it explored in any kind of way where i was like well this is relatable to you know a real human experience <laughs> um it, it at least like felt like a fun sci-fi concept to me and, mm-hmm. and i like the idea that like Psychoman feels like he's giving everyone happiness but he himself is just kind of like sad behind his mask all day long like he's the only one mm-hmm. <laughs> Who does not have this kind of happiness and he's not even really that into being worshipped he just uh he genuinely <laughs> kind of thinks that he's just doing the right thing for everybody um
1: yeah yeah and psycho
0: psycho man's a weird one he's, he's kind of I, I liked this interpretation because he's kind of boring for me in the other in mainline marvel because in mainline marvel he's just like <sighs> i think his thing is he just amps up people's emotions he just kind of ramps them up whatever it is um mm-hmm. so he just kind of manipulates emotions and it's at least i have not read a, a comic that he, he's not that different from a couple other characters like hate monger or something who make make people angry um so i think at least making people very happy and childlike is a, a new twist at the very least but yeah i, th- I think overall kind of a bunch of duds <laughs> right like he's a... truly
1: it took me a really long time unfortunately to read yeah all of those yeah and, and it they were f- not have taken that long to
0: do (laughs) and there were 14 of them so that that was like Mm -hmm. a bummer i think there's a reason if you look at like how long these series run i think there's a reason that the fantastic four only gets 60 issues compared to like spider-man which goes for something like 120 and then gets rebooted Mm -hmm. with miles um Mm -hmm. and then x-men goes for i think exactly 100 um fantastic four goes for 60 and flips authors at least three times during that 60 I think it's they just have a hard time finding anything that distinguishes this this group it makes them really someone that you feel like you'd want to follow except just to be like hey what's doctor doom going to look like here um,
1: right is that i i think uh is that why uh there's only been like one cinematic attempt at the fantastic 4 I, there's
0: i think so there's been two there's one or back two. in like 2008 or something and then the one that came out like mm-hmm. 5 6 years ago um, mm-hmm. yeah i don't know I'm not sure why they're so hard to adapt. Um, I I think, I mean, when I think the Fantastic Four, I think it might be because they don't... There's a hard, like, a missing core to, like, the emotional struggle behind them. There doesn't feel like a really core theme. Like, Spider-Man has his, like, guilt over feeling responsible, and he needs to help. Or he feels like he's letting down the world, and he always puts that ahead of his personal reason. Batman has his parents, and Superman... As Krypton, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Fantastic mm. Four, I don't know, they, they just had something happen to them? They just got changed? Like, the closest thing to, like, that mission is that Reed feels guilty about Ben. That's, like, the closest I thing know. to a perpetual, like, human core of their experience. And that does come into play a fair amount, because, like, Reed often causes big... Well, actually, we saw it last, <laughs> the last issue, the last episode with Ultimate Power, that... I, Ultimate Power was worse than this, right? Like yes yeah I th- maybe less boring but like a worse comic i don't know i i wasn't as- quite as bored by ultimate power at least it was stupid <laughs> in like you an know, interesting I say, way
1: like, power was more absurd and i'm just like what is this and yeah it just had like so many moments where like even though i wasn't really into it i still felt intrigued enough to keep reading mm-hmm. it but like my attention span definitely like went I don't understand yeah. what's going on. You're not enrapturing me with the storyline. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah so,
0: but Reed, Reed gets, you know, gets them all in trouble because he's trying to fix Ben and he'll like put that ahead mm-hmm. of other things. Cause that guilt, but that's, that's really it. So maybe, maybe that's the problem is just kind of a story of like, here's four people, a weird thing happened to them. And it's hard to find like a <laughs> human story behind that, you know, some kind of like mm-hmm. real struggle. Okay, so let's let's move on from past, past, Fantastic Four and get into the Ultimate X Men. We read seventy five through eighty here. This is really just one story, uh, four four issues of one story, and then kind of like I think that literally is just called aftermath um, mm. of it. And this is the Cable introduction. Uh, Monica, what do you have much of a history with like Cable comics, uh, X Men comics in general? <sighs> No. Oh, okay. That's uh, totally fine. Cable, uh, I'm
1: definitely familiar with Cable because of my obsession with Deadpool. So mm-hmm. that's mostly where my, a lot of my Cable uh, knowledge
0: comes from. Well, if, if it makes you feel better, I read my first Cable comics, like, two weeks ago, like, ever. So I, I'm not <laughs> an expert on, by any means. Um, and mm-hmm. I've only read his introduction and then, like, seen him in Deadpool 2 movie. So... Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this version of Cable shows up and kind of like the other one, he's a very competent, like, future soldier mercenary. He appears in the X-Mansion with the goal of killing Professor X, because if left unchecked, Professor X is going to lead to some, like, dark, dangerous future, right? Like, there's this evil future coming, uh, and mm-hmm. Professor X is at the, the heart of it. And that that's a pretty common X-Men theme. Like, <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of the, the future stuff of people from the future coming back to stop something that happened. Days of Future Past mm-hmm. is, you know, probably the most famous example of that. But um, this this doesn't really get into exact the specifics of it. I think they're kind of dangling that plot. Yeah. Um, and the bi- they did not. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the like the whole thing was just like we have to kill Professor X, but nobody felt to explain why. Yeah. It was actually going to happen.
0: And when so. and when we get Bishop, Bishop comes in later. Who I've never read a Bishop comic, so I'm. Totally new on Bishop. Um Bishop comes in to stop Cable. He's also from the future, and he's like Cable has the complete opposite idea. You know, we need to save Professor X. Like killing Professor X is the worst thing you can. Um the, the twist here, and I think this is oh, before I go any farther, this is written by Robert Kirkman, um, penciler Ben Oliver, and colours by Jake Jason Keith. And then I think a later issue and I like I like all those uh ones. A later issue has Yannick Pequette Paquette Paquette. and uh, Serge LaPointe on pencils and writing or pencils and ink. Um, I really like the Ben Oliver stuff. Um, I think it kind of has this like nice, um, I don't know. He's, he's not concerned with making it look like very pretty. Like not everybody is this like gorgeous, (laughs) gorgeous or uh, like big cartoony eyes. Like it it has kind of a a grounded lived in feel. Like the characters feel a little tired and weathered here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I appreciated that. The, the Paquette stuff later, felt a little bit more standard like this is mid-2000s marvel it's a little cartoon it, it was okay like kind of a lesser um but the big twist here uh, that robert kirkman is bringing is that he's saying this cable it's actually just logan it's wolverine from the future
1: ah!
0: it's a good twist uh, I, I don't know d- it
1: is a good twist I, I was i audibly gasped i was like whoa i did not see that coming especially once the adamantium came out it's like okay yeah that how is just- yeah. yeah
0: they reveal it in a cool way, which is that he like mm-hmm. cable is taking down the x men one at a time and it's a really good i think really good action like the action feels very um like there's a clear clear direction to everything that's happening and you kind of understand it's not just kind of like he hits person he hits person they go flying he blasts this person like he he's taking them down with different tools and kind of uh like He's clearly prepared for each of these X Men because he knows them, right? Like he knows them mm-hmm. from the the future, um, so he knows how to deal with them. When he gets to Wolverine, he starts kind of talking about like how you're gonna you're slower, you're angrier than you will be, you know, like your your movements are so much easier to read. And then when things get kind of rough for Cable. All of a sudden you see he slashes Wolverine and you get that shot of him pulling out the same exact claws, um, Mm -hmm. blood running down his knuckles and talking about how he doesn't have the healing factor anymore, which uh, is just kind of cool to be able to use the um, like to pull out the claws. But knowing that you don't just immediately heal up. Right. There's something very badass about that. It's true. And they they sell that really well. Um, Because for Wolverine, like you, you never even really think about that. Right. That he is like tearing through his skin. Every time.
1: I mean, because like, if I, I think about like the cartoon when I was growing up and like they never showed like the blood running down his knuckles like when mm-hmm. they came out, you know, even with like his gloves or whatever. So I like that gritty realism that they brought to it just being like he's literally putting his body through like major damage yeah. in order to just like go through these fights or whatever. And it's like a particular it's like a, a particular sense of like body horror in my in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, like very gory.
0: Yeah, well, actually, I feel like the
1: whole like fight sequence, especially uh, with like Kitty Pride Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like the one tool that he uses, and he's just like, don't rip that out, otherwise, you're gonna bleed to death. I was just like, oh my god, so he like stabs her
0: with something that (laughs) halts her ability to phase, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. it enters into her, but then she becomes solid again, and Mm -hmm. she's you know, she finds herself stabbed. Um, yeah, yeah, that that is very interesting. And then Cable also mentions like he's got the one silver arm, like the other Cable does. Um, and he talks about, you know, he lost the arm and they, you know, they they put it somewhere. I can't remember. He mentioned something like they didn't let the arm go to waste, something like that. Um, so, yeah, all, all that's really interesting. I think Robert Kirkman has a good ear for these characters. Um, like, how how did you feel reading these characters? Like, you know, as, as someone who hasn't read the Ultimate version, they, did they feel, like, recognizable?
1: um Rogue definitely was. uh especially because they brought up the fact that she uh, lost her ability to be touched again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it brought back like that whole like emo sense of Rogue being like, nobody can touch me or hold me. Don't touch me. Blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, oh, what actually fascinated me was Storm's screenplay writing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's new. for I thought that
1: was actually pretty new because Mm -hmm. I don't remember Storm having any like artistic capabilities. It's always been about like, you know, Rescuing people, saving people, whatever else. So I thought that was a pretty interesting add to she's... her, to her character profile. It's like, okay, so she's like a budding, aspiring artist. But then it also brings to the question: Is her heart and soul in running the academy, or is she interested in possibly living out a different life other than what we've been led to believe that Storm is?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, she's a little different here in there. in some interesting ways. Like she's a lot more these X-Men are all, like, teenagers 20-ish or so, like, in mm-hmm. their young 20s. And she she's a lot more... Like, she doesn't have that kind of nobility that the, the mainline Hororo has. Um, mm-hmm. She's a lot more of, like... I, I think when they first find her, she's just a car thief, like, stealing hot-wiring cars in front of bars, like, in Texas or something. Um, mm-hmm. So she, she's very cool here, um, but, the, yeah, there are there are some differences. She's a little bit more of just, like, your normal conflicted teen. She had a thing with Beast for a mm-hmm. while that barely made niece (laughs) um (laughs) yeah yeah her her and beast were a couple for a while before he got killed in the the ultimate universe i think she actually mentions it a few times here i had forgotten about it until it like it got mentioned offhandedly here um whoa yeah yeah. okay (laughs) (laughs) all right um,
1: Sounds a little fan sticky to me. Yeah, to well, there's... Go on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, so there's there's also, like, the hints here of Logan and Storm are starting to, like, get a little That's flirty funny. here, which is fine, yeah. except that, like, I think there's, they're getting into the era of the Ultimate X-Men where they kind of want you to forget that we just knew them as teens like we just knew them at like as 16 and 17 year olds because mm-hmm. if you think about storm at being like 17 and logan is you know however old he is it starts getting a little gross but i I think they kind of just want to be like no she's an adult now don't don't worry about it like because she's definitely not actually written as a teen much yeah. anymore
1: yeah it gets a little well i guess we'll ta- we'll go into that but okay. there's a little uh <laughs> it gets a little awkward with the. Uh relationship wise mm, Oh sure yeah uh, well th-
0: we can so we could talk about that yeah Gene Grey here <laughs> so Gene this ends this ends with Cable kidnapping Gene Grey the first issue I think this first issue is so good at that like it really builds up Cable as this threat and then when he vanishes with Gene it really feels like he just got a victory over them like I was really ready for the next issue immediately this one happened which uh, I think I think that was actually the second um but um yeah Gene gets locked up we're, we're getting a lot of stuff we've heard before where, like, in the Ultimate Universe, Jean Grey has this... It, it, it is not... The Phoenix Force is not this clearly defined, like, yes, there is the Phoenix Force. It exists and it's this huge thing that, like, inhabits Jean Grey. Here it is, like, a little wishy-washy to whether or not, like, Jean Grey might just be an incredibly powerful mutant who can't cope with having these powers. And so she manifests, like almost like rationalizes not being able to deal with this and stressing out too much about it by like almost mm-hmm. pretending that the phoenix is taking over her so that she doesn't have to actually take responsibility <laughs> for like losing it um and then clearly like there's some mental illness stuff she sees these goblins all over the place that like crawl all over her <laughs> um this yeah. is the, this is not the first time we've seen them but like cable mentions that like so are the goblins doing things for you because that's like the first sign things going to go bad um <laughs> So yeah, that that's interesting. I li- I like that interpretation of Jean. I think this is one of the like more fun things with Jean Grey of having like the f- it, the the reader still like on a, on issue seventy six still doesn't know whether or not Jean Grey is just like if the Phoenix is a symptom of her mental illness or if it is a genuine thing like that she is you know like summoning down. Um, I I think that is like an interesting dynamic here. Um, but yes, yeah, so <laughs> her and Cyclops are a couple xavier oh poor scott. yeah oh yeah it's very sad like he's he's trying to propose here and she like won't even open the ring because she knows what it is and she just like <laughs> like that's what a bummer like to, to not even get a no for a while that she's just like oh i'm not i scott i don't want to open any boxes right now <laughs> like get, get up right, off I your know what um yeah
1: psychic uh yeah that was that was uh <laughs> yeah that was
0: a pretty that was a pretty loud shutdown uh, but yeah and then <laughs> yes yeah I, I felt bad for him when um when professor x says like he's gonna go try to save the x-men and cyclops is like you know you shouldn't like you're putting your life at risk you know you're more important than this professor x basically says like no i'm going to i'm in love with gene gray to cyclops um i like the cyclops response is just to like give him the uh the cold shoulder and just be like fine you fly the plane <laughs> <laughs> um like the, the the after
1: professor xavier says that the last shot on scott's face is like hilarious
0: yeah i mean this is
1: just like uh what
0: I, yeah i don't know Sorry. Y- your your professor just tells you that like he's in love with your girlfriend and he's you know 20 years older than both of you uh yeah Yeah, th- th- that's a lot. Um. I don't actually know why Professor X felt like he had to admit that in that moment. This this is something that, like, gets, um, Stan Lee actually wrote this into, like, a very early X-Men issue. There's a, there's a really early one where he's looking, <clears throat> like, he's looking at Jean from a distance or something, and he's like, she's my student, I can never tell her, I'm in love with her, like, it wouldn't be appropriate, and then they never talk about it again until I think, like, the 90s it gets brought up again, which we have not read, um, because I think they... Realized how gross it was because he's an adult man and she's like six. Yeah. Um. Here, here she's older. She's you know in her twenties. Um. It's still you know it's still a little odd, but um. It's still creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's creepy because it's Professor X, right? You know, (laughs) like that's the. It's
1: Professor X, but also just like that whole like teacher student. Yeah. Like, like dichotomy just seems really predatory and teacher student weird.
0: therapist right he's like kind of her therapist and doctor as well like there's a lot of lines here and like power yeah. dynamics that are make the whole thing um <clears throat> but yeah the x-men go to, to rescue Jean gray from cable bishop comes back i don't know much about bishop he seems cool <laughs> i don't know he uh <laughs> bishop shows up just to tell them like no you know i'm from the future it's you don't have to listen to cable um you can stop him it's fine he also does not really like tell too much about what he knows he just kind of keeps hinting at stuff like at uh, bobby drake that he needs to actually train instead of play video games because his powers could be so much more than they are etc
1: goes to visit his younger self in prison mm-hmm. which is also like a really weird scene because it's just like you need to do your time and it'll make you feel better don't think about using your powers and i'm just like nah dude
0: which which I, I don't <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, pay pay your debt to society is like a very weirdly conservative phrase. Um yeah, mm-hmm. what I, I don't know what his powers are actually. No idea.
1: Do you know? What I don't thing? either.
0: Yeah. I don't think he used any powers here. So like when he mentioned to his younger self to uh to like use his powers, I did not know what that meant, but I guess um yeah, he, he was interesting mm-hmm. and uh curious. It, it's he's stuck in this time, so I think he's kind of taking the professor X role because as this plays out, uh Cable brings his like six pack of characters domino grizzly hammer and cane um and they fight the x-men it's a fun fight Uh, rogue immediately gets her arm blasted off like in a really gory scene like like immediately like they show up in like a panel later her arm is just like blasted clean free and and i love wolverine's um response which is to immediately like touch her and just be like take my healing factor um it's a fun Mm -hmm. really it's a fun use of the powers but they have a fight um Grizzly turns into a bear. Hammer punch is good. <clears throat> Kane has rocket fists. <laughs> the, those are pretty fun. Like he can shoot his fists yeah. off, and they have little rockets on them. Um, besides that, you know, you don't get too much of them. But I think, like, just through their design, you get a fair sense of a uh, of how who they are, and it works okay. Um, I, I think it's a good counterpoint to the like the pack of weirdos that we saw in Ultimate Fantastic Four, right? And like how anonymous and. I don't know, forgettable they are? Because th- these really stood out mm-hmm. to me. I think they have, like, a nice clean design. Um, and and I don't know these characters. Like, I, I mean, I know who Domino is just from, like, Deadpool 2, right? But, like, mm-hmm. besides that, I don't really know uh, much. You gotta
1: check out Domino Hot Shots.
0: Oh, yeah? What, what's that?
1: Uh, it's, like, her uh, series. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Gail Simone wrote them.
0: Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah, I don't... I, I could or could not be wrong. I'm not sure when she comes into... Uh, main marvel i uh interested because she's got a cool design and zazie beats mm-hmm. is like such cool casting in deadpool 2 i really
1: yeah, no, she's perfect in deadpool too, i, I yeah. hope she yeah
0: she's one of the bright spots of that movie i hope she uh carries forward into the mcu um yeah yeah so this this ends up with cable apparently detonating both him himself and professor x we find out later you know neither of them are dead he left like a fake skeleton everyone knows everyone thinks professor x is dead but he's not um and then they're left to do what they're left with what to do without Professor X, and uh, yeah, that Scott decides to disband the school, which is I think an interesting choice. They're not disband the school, disband the X Men, and keep mm-hmm. the school going. I really like this choice. I'm like I'm really interested in seeing where this goes. Of like, hey, we shouldn't be a paramilitary, you know, like shock troopers, right? Like, what a weird idea. Let's just, like, raise mutants to be safe and kids. Um, like, we don't... Kind of
1: mirroring Emma Frost's uh, university in Chicago, the School of Tomorrow. Yes. In, like, a weird way. Because she was also very, like, we're not here to train our kids to just, like, kill people. Like, we want them to be productive members of society.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, like, does that mean you still train them to use their powers, to defend themselves? Does he ignore mm-hmm. that? Because Bishop seems hard set against this idea. He thinks, like, naive, um, you know, that they'll be able to, like, just peacefully exist. And, you know, maybe this is just, like, kind of a fantasy on um, Cyclops' part. But I think, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to explore. Um, oh, yeah, we do get to see Emma Frost school a little bit, specifically through Peter's Colossus's point of view, because he goes and visits his boyfriend, um, Pierre uh, Northstar. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, Cyclops is gay, and this, you probably picked that up from context. <laughs> um, I, uh, I forget about this because it, it was funny. He has a conversation <laughs> with Kitty Pride here, and they have like this heart to heart, and it kind of reminds me of like it reminded me like oh yeah, the two of you were like a couple in the uh, the main Marvel universe, but here it is not mm-hmm. the case. Um, yeah, I, I like Col- uh, Colossus and Northstar as a couple are very very sweet, and I kind of like that they just kind of give their relationship room to breathe here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, do you have any other thoughts about this comic? It seems like you you like this uh, also. I like this
1: way better than uh, the fantastic oh, yeah. readings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was definitely more into this. I was like, okay, I actually want to see what happens with this. Um so I personally liked Magneto's response to like learning that Xavier was dead because he was just like, oh, sweet. That means <laughs> that we could just like continue on with our plans, like one thing mm. one less thing that I have to worry about. Yeah. But also I was bit, like frustrated that like You know, when Scott, like, said that, you know, they're going to disband the school, I would think that, like, since Bishop is from the future, that you want to take his advice because he knows ultimately what's going to happen. Yeah. But then considering that he didn't know that Professor Xavier wasn't actually dead, it could also be, like, is he hiding something from everybody like or does he have to hide information in order to like make sure that everything like stays the course or whatever else um
0: it gets into like timeline stuff too where you see cable in the future like talking to a robot and he's he talks about like in that timeline they believe that professor x is dead uh but they know that you escaped right so it kind of suggests that like cable is going to a different timeline to stop professor x but like it's not going to change his reality you know like he's not changing his own situation it's kind of a Theoretical thing. I I don't know that mm-hmm. it, it was a little left up in the air, but you know maybe that's stuff though they'll, they'll explore. Like I mm-hmm, I think this yeah. did a good job of like laying out enough of the time travel stuff and enough of the like questions without getting really bogged down in it. Sometimes like these mm-hmm. time travel stories get way too bogged down in that stuff and they they just make it hard to wrap your head around or like it's it's um, what's the the word you said cluttered right? It's just like too cluttered with with stuff. Um and uh, and, and this at least like I felt had. And any other, other notes that?
1: Let's see. oh, one thing about the artwork is that I noticed that Storm, uh, her skin complexion changed throughout the entire. Mm,
0: does it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's. I was not... very uh, put off by that. I was just like, can y'all just? Was it
0: was, was it on the the different colorer when they came because they did switch like artists one issue. Ah, uh,
1: okay, that yeah. must be it. Yeah, her skin her skin tone like changed.
0: Yeah, there there's like multiple times. the Yannick Piquette. And... And Serge Lapointe came in like twice, yeah. so it was like four issues with one set and two issues with a different one. Yeah, they yeah. Marvel still has that problem with her, where they like cannot, you know, <laughs> like draw get her skin tone right. That was something in like Marauders, where it was like her and uh, you know sh- she looks like a slightly tanned white woman yeah, in like Marauders I don't a couple of years ago. That. Yeah, you just it, some of that stuff it's embarrassing when they do it, but usually, uh-huh. usually they're okay with it here. I think um, like the ultimate the ultimate line. At least I have not noticed it being awful, but uh, I but I also didn't notice it changing here. So you know, my eye is glued to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But other
1: than that, I like that the the female characters were not all like extra busted out. You know.
0: That's yeah. That's <laughs> that's something that they've gotten better about because that like I liked we we had Adam Kubart. Adam Kubert was um, the artist early on. And I, I really like his art, but he also draws all these teenage girls with, like, you know, the the, the pants are all really low riding. So you get, you know, the pelvis shots and the, mm-hmm. uh, the really like midriff bearing things that are all like super sexualized. And it was always like, this is the uniform that Professor X gave them. They're 16 years old. Like, why is he dressing his teen girls <laughs> like this? Um, It's clearly, like, they don't want you to think about that.
1: Why is he falling in love with them? Just kidding. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Questionable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And anything else? Uh, No, I think, I, 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 do do you know Robert Kirkman at all? Walking Dead and Invincible?
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I really like this. I don't really like his other writing all that much. Like I like The Walking Dead fine. I kind of don't like Invincible that much. This is my favorite thing I've read of his. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think he's doing like really good work here. And it's interesting cuz people come into the big name writers come into the Marvel universe like Mike Carey or Warren Ellis or um I don't know who else. Tony Hsieh we haven't seen him yet. It, wait, does he do Ultimate Universe stuff? No. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, just when he comes in for Black Panther. Later. Black
1: Panther. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get to that stuff. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. him write Captain America. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm excited. Oh, he, mm-hmm. he's done it. He's he's like on his like third year of Captain America. So like, I just haven't read it yet. Cause I'm way behind in the '90s. Um, but yeah, the Ultimate Universe will bring in these big name writers, and then they'll do some of their worst work, <laughs> like. Uh, like we just saw Mike Carey do. Um, oh, I'm thinking of someone else. Um, the guy from who writes Saga. Um, got him. He's like the biggest name in comics. Uh, sorry, I'm just spacing him. Brian K. Vaughn comes in and does some fantastic Does some X Men and it's kind of atrocious as well. So it's strange, like seeing these big names come in and get this playground to work in in the Ultimate Universe because the Ultimate Universe you can kind of do a lot more stuff. Like it's really free from continuity. You don't have to worry about these like permanent changes that will stick around for decades and decades. And then they bring Mm -hmm. some kind of really boring. Well, I.
1: So why do you think that is? Is it because of the editors, or do you think? Yeah, that that might be. That like like impose limitations where they're just like you can't do this because I would like to see like what they their uh original concepts like contained versus the sticky notes back you know
0: Yeah I really wonder if it, I think Joe casada is the editor in chief of Marvel at this time and I wonder if there was a mandate to like maybe they didn't have the idea like that this is going to be like 8 years or 10 years long however and long the ultimate universe lasted um cuz it wasn't long and that's kind of the 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 nice thing about it is that, like, you can make changes. You can do big, wild things. You know, like, you don't have to, to worry so much about killing off a character because this is not the real Marvel Universe. You can do those stories. Um, but then I wonder if they still just kind of reflexively shied away from getting to doing anything too dangerous. I do know that we're about to read Ultimatum... the club which is like the first really huge event that crosses the ultimate universe and they do some big Mm. wild status quo shifting stuff that's actually terrible so like maybe we don't want that um so we'll we'll we'll, when we get there well i appreciate you reading all these i especially appreciate you reading such like kind of boring fantastic four comics i feel bad that we didn't have a, a tastier bunch to give you when you you came on both both episodes you came on and like read some of the worst comics we've <laughs> read for this <laughs> this podcast so I'm sorry the timing worked I know, out. I like so I like
1: try not to be like the the uh you know the the griper of certain things. Oh that's but I'm also not gonna lie about it. <laughs> no no
0: that that's my job yeah. on this, this show I'm I'm usually the negative one and Dave is like looking at me like I'm crazy but. No, it's it's totally fine because I I don't know I I I have a hard time imagining someone who would read Ultimate Power or you know maybe that first arc of Fantastic Four and be like this this is this is good comics (laughs) because
1: yeah yeah, beyond
0: beyond I mean
1: Ultimate X Men this the these uh, five comics were actually really good and I enjoyed it
0: if if you're interested Uh, if you like this like Ultimate X Men I think Ultimate Spider Man and Ultimate X Men are the like successful um like runs in the ultimate universe. Ultimate X-Men is a little iffier. Mark Miller writes it for a while, but he brings some like big ideas and there's a lot of energy to what he's doing. Um and there's there's mm-hmm. some misses to it, but like it never is boring. <laughs> you know, like it it's at least always yeah. interesting and I think it's successful in a fair amount of So I th- I think yeah, Ultimate X-Men if you if you like this, uh the the whole run, or at least what we've read to here, is mostly worth it. Um Okay, so uh that's gonna do it for us. If you like this show Um, Thank you for listening, and you can head over to Patreon.com to support the show. Check out My Marvelous Year. Um, If you back us on Patreon, you can get access to our Slack channel. You get six months early access to these episodes, Um, and a couple other benefits on there. Um, Please head over to iTunes, give this show, My Marvelous Year, a rating. We'd really appreciate that. Music is by Same thing Dave has every time. The music was, by divine right, did the music... (laughs) i can't say the music was by by divine right because it always is the music was done by by divine right uh for this episode uh monica do you want to let people know again where they can find you uh, where they can find your work
1: so you can find me on twitter at negra monica one or you can find me on patreon at monica negra, or you can find me romping around with Essie Fleenor and sarah Sentry on bitches on comics mm-hmm. and we are also on twitter at bitches on comics and also on patreon at bitches on comics
0: cool. very cool are you uh, are you like working regularly with them on the show now <clears throat> i can't say oh okay all right <laughs> okay. all right i don't want to we just had her on the show this on my marvelous year this last week too mm-hmm. so if i'm interested in your your film work can i find that online
1: Yes, you can. You can find it at Audrey'sRevenge.com or you can follow me on IG at Audrey's Revenge. Very cool. So,
0: yeah, I definitely, I'm very interested in that when I do, uh, you make horror, right? General...
1: Horror movies, yep. Yeah, and I'm actually in the process of wrapping up my fourth film uh, that has been like two years in the making. Mm-hmm, but yeah. thanks to the pandemic. You
0: know. Yes. Hey. Well, <laughs> well very cool. I, l- I look forward to checking that out. Um, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Monica. And thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. I got it.